the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider, brought to you by the Hyundai A-League. Be part of the action this season. Hello and welcome back to the 442 Insider podcast for 2012, the first pod of the year. I'm magazine editor Trevor Tarn and joining me this week is online editor Kevin Ayres. Well, hey. How you doing? Good. Um, no Jacko today. He's uh, on a project in Melbourne. Um, but did you have a good break, Kevin? I had a great break. Yeah? Uh, I went fishing and I did lots of beach stuff and I sat and watched the, the big A-League marathon. Oh, Wednesday. Of course, yeah. I mean, I've, like I was saying before, I've, I've been about the loop. I was in England for three weeks. I mean, we we're you know concerned about A League coverage over here. You wouldn't believe how little it gets in England. Seriously, I mean, yeah. What a surprise. Who would have thought? Think so <laughs> it's quite strange to come back. I didn't really have. I mean, you know, my phone wasn't on that ridiculous roaming cost. So uh, <laughs> I don't even know. You come back and you're like John Cosmina. What, what's he? <laughs> Jim Jordan. Who, who is he? <laughs> <laughs> what's all these things that have happened? So it's. Um, I mean. Well, how was the... Is it Big Wednesday? Big Wednesday. How well did that go, then? It actually went really well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot of that was down to the fact that there was just a shitload of uh, goals yeah. uh, over the five games. Uh, and it set uh, an all-time domestic league record for the number of goals in one day. Wow. Um, but it was, it, was well, it was reasonably well attended. It got good weekend crowds. Yeah. Uh, but only one of them broke 10,000. Right. Uh, and while I think it was a great idea that was executed very well, it still would have been better if it had been two days before and it was actually a pro- proper public holiday. Yeah. So everybody could have gone, because there was a lot of people on Twitter trying to follow the games by Twitter, by commentary, who were at work and just couldn't see the game. Uh, and it's a great idea, it's a great start, but let's try and find fit it into a day where there's actually a holiday. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's the kind of thing, you know, certain holidays, isn't there, like Australia Day, there's the certain things, and that the cricket owns that period, doesn't it, yeah. the Boxing Day and the New Year's Test and stuff, and it's no one can touch that now, and yeah. it'd be great to have an A-League version of that, wouldn't it, a yeah. certain day where everyone associated with watching A-League football. Um, well, we're going to talk about it a bit later with the FFA's, you know, marketing plans or whatever, but let's talk about week 14 first, which wasn't quite as high scoring as, as Big Wednesday was. Week 14, round 15, just to add to the confusion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was seeing on the fixtures as well, it looked like week 9 pops up soon as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah we've got week 9 on Wednesday. Got <laughs> yeah, good. It's um, great. So, yeah, I mean, let, let's start with, with Adelaide, Brisbane, and Brisbane... Um, new, new look Brisbane <laughs> compared to, to how it was before um, against an Adelaide side who sound like they've turned things around slightly with the, the return of... of yeah, Kermina. well, I, th- I think it's the Kazmina effect because Kazmina comes in and he's an imposing presence. He was at mm. Sydney. Uh, he was to the, the players and also to the press, uh, especially when he's got a twig in his hand and trying to chase you off the playing fields. Um, but you can imagine that he's... Just come into Hindmarsh and just laid down the law. Uh, yeah. And he's, he's put a boot up everybody's backside in Adelaide, but also welcomed players back into the fold and given them a clean slate and everybody's got everything to play for, uh, which is what a new coach always does. Sure. Uh, and as a result, he's getting results that Rini Cullen wasn't able to do because he'd alienated most of the playing staff by the looks of things. Well, I mean, we knew that about Rini before the start of the season. Yeah. You know, I, I spoke to a now former player at the Wardsing and, and he was saying that, it, you know, 
he is a bit like that. He's sort of hot and cold on people, and you're not in his good books, and you yeah. you don't get near the team. So, I mean, you have to take a hard line with players, but there are times when you need to negotiate with them as well and, and get on with them. I mean, what's the Adelaide fan reaction to having Cosmina back? I think for the most part, it's it's positive that they're getting results again. Um, you got to remember the, the circumstances that Cosmina left under the uh, the you know the the dismal grand final mm. defeat. The uh, undignified comments made after the game, Ross Aloisi's departure at the same time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he he did well for Adelaide, but he also didn't cover himself in, with glory at times. Mm. Uh, and I think, you know, the fact that it's an interim appointment to the end of the season is, again, you know, a good idea uh, because the Cosmina effect doesn't necessarily last forever. No, he, he came into Sydney. He immediately got results where Branko Kalina had completely failed to get results that season. Uh, but again, the veneer wore off pretty quickly, yeah. and uh, they reverted back to type and a very dirgesome kind of football. Mm, I mean, you'd expect a slight uplift. Did you like dirgesome, by the way? Yeah, very nice. Yeah, nice. you get some sort of word book for Christmas. Yeah. You'd always expect some kind of uplift or some sort of improvement whenever a new manager comes in, regardless of how you know how good they are and how long term. So I mean, they're unbeaten in in Cosmina's first four games, but you know the Raw. This was obviously a, a Raw team that smashed Adelaide seven-one in one of the best performances we've ever seen in the A League. And at that point, talked about how the league was a, a one-horse race and stuff. I mean, did, did Brisbane show? Any signs of, of returning to you know what they were last season or, or what they were during that record run? Um, I think you know the, they've been missing key players, and it's not just Thomas Brook. You know, uh, uh, Henrik's been missing as well, and uh, I think Matt Smith may or may not have been missing. I mean, best probably not to mention that. Um, but they, they have been missing some of the key players, and that has taken its toll quite visibly on the side. Broich looks like he might be back this weekend. Essential, absolutely essential. He's back, isn't uh, he? Really? Yeah. And, you know, it, it's it's more than Broich roar, but not much more. Yeah. I mean, another thing, when I, when I was catching up on the news back in the office this week, I, I saw the John Cosmina decision to strip the captaincy. And John McCain get, give it to... Yeah, interesting. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, I mean... Changes had to be made, obviously, mm. uh, and defence was one of the key areas that Adelaide were lacking. But the whole team was lacking leadership on the on the field, and it wasn't just McCain's fault. Uh, fault. You know, the other players have to step up and also take uh, control of their area, uh, and that wasn't happening. But McCain was an easy target uh, for that to be uh, remedied. Um, but what I thought was interesting is now that McCain's out for four to six yeah. weeks. He's on a bit of a downer, I'd imagine, at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, I'm sure it's a genuine injury. Yeah. <laughs> oh. On to the next game, Melbourne victory, um, beating poorly travellers, Newcastle Jets. Um, we, with new coach Jim Jilton watching on, um, in a game that you'd, you'd expect them to win, really, wouldn't you, considering how the Jets play and, and the, the Jets were down a man as well. Um, what would Jilton made of this? I and mean, what do you make of, of Jim Jilton's... I was reading with interest Ado's t- tweets from the training, and Ado sound you know relatively impressed with what he wants to do at the club. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, uh, he's obviously come in. He's he's a firm hand, and uh, that's what victory have needed, obviously. Mm. 
Uh, Mehmet Drakovic was letting the players get away with too much and most importantly letting Musket get away with too much, mm. uh, ruling the roost far more than he should have done. Whether that will that particular aspect of things will change under... Uh, is it Magilton or Magilton? Magilton. Magilton. Mm. Um, see, that's a problem when you work from home most of the time. <laughs> you don't, you, you don't say yeah. these words. Um, yeah, the, with uh, him coming in, uh, he's a forceful character who was uh, obviously had his run-ins at QPR, allegedly head-butting one of the players. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. I, he, I, I went through the stats when he was first appointed, and his win ratio when he was at Ipswich was, I think, 37.8%. Yeah, roughly. W- roughly, <laughs> which uh, isn't that impressive. Ernie Merricks, over his entire st- a time with Melbourne victory in the home and away season was 45.6%. Right. I mean, it's, it's often not an easy job at Ipswich because they're the kind of club that move on players and rely on loans and youth players and stuff. So. Yeah, but I mean, that also took into uh, consideration that Melbourne victory's first season, which was Merrick's first season, their win ratio was 33%, 33.3%. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, he had a tough job as well. Mm. He went from, you know, roller coaster. Uh, times with Melbourne Victory, but he still managed to average 45.6% mm. within that league. Yeah, uh, I, I don't. I don't think we should have gone back to Merrick under any circumstances. But I still don't think the new guy is better than Merrick. No, and and that's where I think the board are being a bit blinkered. Yeah, and and the Victory job is a good gig. Yeah, I mean, you could oh, sell so it to it, a coach when you go, look, we've got these massive crowds. We are the biggest club in the country. You get yeah. to live in Australia. No doubt that they've got the talent in the camp. You've got someone like, you know, a marquee player like uh, Kuehl in there as well. And, you know, it's no surprise that they've been able to attract someone from overseas. And you could argue that if the money was there, they maybe have been able to get someone of, of even higher stature. I, I, I don't know, really. But I'd be interested to see how it goes on. I mean, uh, the one thing that fans always want to know, or certainly seems to be these days, is what type of football their coach is, is going to play that scene. Because there's a, a bit of snobbery going around. And, and I suppose rightfully so that the victory won it. You know the, their team to play in the right way, and it sounds like they will. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you've, you've got to work with the cattle you've got, mm. uh, and you can promise to play like Barcelona, but if you've got Ipswich or Stoke uh, as a possibly better example, you're yeah. not going to be able to do that. No. Uh, so yeah, the proof will be in the pudding. We'll give him a chance. He's got until the end of the season, which I think is an excellent choice again. Don't commit beyond uh, the end of the season to a new guy, though, and it's unknown uh, territory. Pretty much, yeah. Um, moving on, Sydney, Central Coast. Central Coast, um, absolutely flying, weren't they, really? They seem like they might be, you know. Even without uh, Matt Simon, though, who, yeah. of course, has gone. Yeah, I mean, that, that's an interesting one, Matt Simon. I was reading the uh, Mariners blogger the other day and her sort of ode to Matt Simon. Eulogy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> to how important he is. And we talk about him quite often that he he's sort of, he divides fans, doesn't he? He divides, yeah. you know, anyone who watches the game. And it's quite interesting what I was reading there that the, the Mariners fans love him because, you know, he's one of those players that work hard. But you love him even more because everyone else seems to hate him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which only it's, makes it's you true. like someone yeah. more, you know, one of your players. When it's almost like having Joey Barton on your side, you know. Yeah, he's he, on your side, you love him. If he's not, you hate him. Quite, yeah. Um, interesting to see how he goes over there. Yeah, well, I was actually thinking about this last night. I, You may notice that I've now ditched the cover on my iPhone. Yeah, I never, I always go... Faithless on my iPhone as well. It's it's a whole new world for me because I've always had one since I got this iPhone. Right. 
I'm interested in how this is going to get back to Matt's side. And I've always relied on having the cover on it because yeah. it's solid and dependable and it will protect oh, you. Now I know, yeah. Take the cover off and suddenly you discover you've actually got a much slicker, more lightweight unit, which is still just as good as it ever was before, but even better now. And I think that'll be the same with Mariners. Uh, yeah, okay, I mean, what about goals, though? I mean, well, concerned you know, that they might try up? No, I don't think so. I mean, uh, they relied so heavily on Matt Simon. Uh, for the goals that nobody else was really getting that opportunity to shine in the same way they've got a lot of goal scorers uh, in the lineup there they've got uh, Ibanisi of course mm. uh, but you know McBreen uh, and Kwasnick when he comes back both are established goal scorers as well yeah uh, I don't think they're going to be short and Amini can pull something off from uh, in the hole deep midfield uh, any time he likes almost yeah I mean it, what's quite interesting about Matt Simon is that I don't think I've ever known anyone to score more goals where I thought, if he'd connected with that properly, he would have missed. Because <laughs> <laughs> he'd always somehow find a way of scoring in the most unfashionable way. But, I mean, he is a little bit of an unfashionable footballer, certainly these days. But, you know, he did a job and he, he was loyal. I say he's loyal to the club. I doubt he had many other options. But, you know, he's moved on there. But in terms of this game, Sydney losing at home 1-0 to the Mariners... Um, what next for Sydney, I suppose? Because oh, they're been incredibly Sydney, inconsistent. Sydney really need to rip it all up and start again. I think they've got to that stage now. Um, the Lovishka experiments failed. Uh, the squad is just completely lopsided. Mm. Nothing that Lovishka can do now can really give you a, a solid squad on the field. Uh, they, they lack the fullbacks, they lack the width, they've got a surfeit of right midfielders. Um, mm. It's just all wrong. Uh, they need to let contracts run out at the end of the season, get a new boss in, and do some proper serious recruitment. And it's been the same story with Sydney for seasons now. Yeah. There's always been gaps in their selections. Mm. Um, Wellington, <coughs> Perth. Um, Wellington always good at home. Perth often not great away from the road. So, of course, Perth won 1-0. Last with uh, Josh Mitchell's 93rd minute winner. Uh, a classic away smash and grab. Yeah, I mean, that's a big, big win for Perth. Mm. Uh, and, you know, while hardly hugely impressive uh, in terms of football, it gives a constant stay of execution to, to Ian Ferguson. Uh, and, you know, every red card, every uh, disputed penalty, uh, and every 1-0 away win like this just means the agony goes on a bit longer for Perth Clory. Uh but having said that, you know, there is a good bloody team in Perth Glory. I still maintain they've got possibly the second or third best squad in the A-League. And Sajowski seems to have come back in and yeah. he's formed, picked up um, and stuff. But so long as they, you know, continue to just either squeak wins, squeak draws or get unfortunate red cards or penalties, they're not going to see the, that potential realised. No, exactly. I mean, very disappointing for Wellington in the game that they'd expect to win because, I mean, Wellington fourth on, on 21 points and, and above them are sort of Hart and Brisbane on 25. If they'd won that game, they'd be right in, tucked in behind them and in a really strong position. So, you know. Phoenix are, you know, just really going under the radar quite amazingly. Yeah. To be in fourth place after all this time with the problems they had at the start of the season is astonishing. Well, they had about 14 had well. contracted players. Yeah, they, 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 they didn't know. even have a full bench at one stage. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they've had injuries to, to Eiffel as well during the season. It's amazing what they've done. Yeah. Um, final game of the round um, would be Gold Coast Melbourne Hart. Um, 
I'm not sure if you say two resurgent teams. I mean, Hearts certainly having the season that they were, you know, promising they might have for the start. Gold Coast, while still bottom, seem to be improved in recent weeks. Um, one all draw there, fair result. Yeah, it's unfair in Gold Coast United. Not necessarily this particular result, but it's been the story of their season where you know it's draw after draw after narrow loss. Yeah, uh, and the you would it looks like they're going to go through the entire season with these kind of results, they're going to end up bottom. And it's yeah. not a true reflection of the football they're playing. They're doing much better than I was expecting them to do. Yeah. Uh, in terms of football, not in terms of results. Uh, Melbourne Hart, just so refreshing to, to hear John Van Chip talk. Uh, he's, uh, he's really got his head screwed on properly. Yeah, oh, there's, there's no doubt he's a, he's a bright guy and he's, he's got yeah. the pedigree to, to be a really good coach over here. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily think this is going to be their season. But next season, uh, I would. I think I can see them going from strength to strength. Mm, one little aside that I was, I was reading about, they're saying with the <coughs> should the Mariners host the grand final, that it, it won't be in Gosford, it won't be at their home ground. What do, what do you make of that? To be honest, to me, it wasn't much of a surprise to read that. Uh, I mean, 2008 sent the, the established precedent moving into the. SFS for the Newcastle Jets grand final. Yeah, uh, I can't really see any chance of them deciding otherwise, unless it's somebody like Melbourne Heart or Gold Coast United or one of the lesser supported teams from further away. Yeah, um, if it was Brisbane Roar, mm, it, it certainly would be a push to fill the SFS. I think if it was Brisbane Roar. What if it was Sydney? If it was Sydney. D- <laughs> Because because then, then is that a home game? You know, that's true. You, you're losing a bit of your advantage, aren't you? Really. Although I did notice they said it would be um, a Sydney venue, right? Rather than the SFS. So I suppose they could consider moving it to the the ANZ. Yeah, mind you, some of the results Sydney had at home this season. I don't think it's probably in Mariners' favour. You know. Yeah. Especially okay. after last weekend. Yeah. Um, that's all we've got for section one. Um, join us for section two. We'll go through the best of the news. This month's 442 magazine is out now and features an exclusive interview with Barcelona's Cesc Fabregas on why he left Arsenal. Plus, we ask if the NSL was better than the A-League. We uncover what happened to the North Queensland Fury players after the club folded, go behind the scenes at EPL New Boys QPR and chat with David Silva, Paul Scholes, Juan Mata, Marco Rojas, Musti Amini, Mazamo Madoka and Sasha Ognanovsky. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to the 442 Insider podcast. Section 2, best of the news. Um, let's kick off with um, a chat that Ado had with Carl Patterson, the FFA head of communications, about a few marketing things that have gone in the pipeline. Um, replying to emails, unfortunately, didn't make the list, but they have got a few other things in here that... <laughs> <laughs> that, um, that they'd like to do. Hailing the success of Big Wednesday, saying that viewing figures were up for a, for midweek crowds, um, that's likely to come back. Um, we've all had a, had a quick chat about that, um, and, and that you know, I suppose if, if it becomes you know kind of regular, then people communicate with that, don't they? And, and, and they know that mm. they know that it's coming up each year, and you can kind of plan a it. event. Exactly, yeah. Um, and a thing that that seems to sort of be talked about quite often in the A League is. Um, Milking, <laughs> milking managers, milking refs a little bit more, and miking them up, and, and getting an insight in, into what they're saying. Um, Would you drink a pint of refs milk? <laughs> no, perhaps. Not. I mean, it, 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 I've kind of got mixed feelings about it. In one point, I think it's sort of 
interesting. And another way it makes me feel the league's a bit amateur town. No, I don't necessarily think that. I think, you know, it's good to see a bit of innovation. And I don't mind the refs being mic'd up. Um, I think that's quite good because that would give it more insight into what's going on on the pitch I mean, and what people are getting you know, uh, booked for and what the, the referee's actually thinking. They do it in rugby, don't they? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think that works really well there. And occasionally you can overhear it uh, on the, uh, the pitch side mics uh, yeah. just to get, give you a rough idea. But I think that's, that would actually be a very useful innovation. It would, it would solve a lot of problems, I think, with... Uh, the fans and the FFA and the refs uh, just give a better understanding of what's going on in the pitch. What I would disagree with, though, is making up the the managers. Like John Cosmina mic'd up. Yeah. What could go wrong? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that's that, that's not going to end well. I mean, there will be an editing process, though. You know. And <clears throat> yeah, but so they can't. You know, because there must be swearing. <laughs> I mean, it's, there's no way you couldn't. You would think so. I mean, the, the comparison I'm drawing is with the Grand Prix. Uh, mm. Where they've mic'd up, where you can listen into the, the radio transmissions, some of the radio transmissions uh, between the drivers and the, their pit crew. But when it's edited like that, the transmissions as they're played on the TV are too late to be relevant very often. Yeah, exactly. Whatever they're talking about has already happened a long time ago, and you know you've missed it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just don't think any disclosure of tactics by managers during the game, while the game's on, is necessarily a good thing. No, I mean, especially, you know, you don't want to sort of get to a situation where, uh, you know, they're broadcasting stuff that they're saying at half-time. I mean, exactly. you almost thought, I always, you know, found it strange they even got the camera in to see what they were, were and showing. And you see on first. the whiteboard. Yeah. I mean, why would you do that? Yeah. Why would you accept that? I'm sorry, that's wrong. But also, you don't really want to get exposed if they're, if they're not actually showing anything ta- good tactical out to you. <laughs> exactly, yes. Um... I mean, it'd be interesting to say, I think, read, you know, I read some of the, the forum comments on this, and I think it is nice for people just to realise that they are trying to think of something new. Yeah. You know, and we do have to constantly, you know, think of, of what we can do next, really, rather than continue to do what we're doing at the moment. Um, the next story, which is, a, I suppose, a, another contentious thing in, in many ways, is the Oliru restrictions that have been placed on a on Oli Roo's coach, Vidmar, who, who will be limited to choosing a maximum of just three players from each A-League club for next month's AFC Asian qualifiers for London 2012, which is a very important um, event that we're at. I mean, every player would love to be at the Olympics and what have you, and it's particularly important for... Well, it feels particularly important for, for Australia as well. What do you make of that, the restriction? Um, the, to be honest, I think the FFA were cutting a rock, between a rock and a hard place with this one. Mm. Uh, you know, if, the, if they gave Vidmar unlimited access, uh, which they're not obliged to do because it's not an FF, it's not a FIFA-accredited date, mm. um, then it would severely impact some of the clubs that are competing for the Premiership at a crucial time in their, uh, their campaign. Um, if they were to give a blank ban on uh, the players, then, you know, the Oli Roos wouldn't qualify. It's that simple. Yeah. Um, so I think they've actually they've called it right. You know, three players from each club. Yeah. Uh, there's that's enough to put together a good strong squad. It's probably going to weaken most of the clubs damn near equally. Yeah. You know, Melbourne Heart, Melbourne uh, Brisbane Roar. The Mariners would lose. And Mariners, some, yeah. Uh, 
probably was to suffer the most, but they would have suffered even more yeah. if the ban hadn't been, if the, the limit hadn't been put in place. It seems, yeah, I mean, in terms of the starting 11, it's probably not going to be, you know, it's going to be a minimal impact on that front, is it? Yeah. Especially when you include the overseas guys that are going to play, um, the ones that can be bothered. <laughs> the, yes. ones, the ones who don't send in a sick <laughs> note because they've got pre-season. Or, um, so, yeah, that, that's, that seems about fair enough. Um, James Holland we'll chat about next who was certainly a, a promising player you know went over early did, did well here when he was when he was playing in Australia but very much out of favour at AZ and he's set for a trial with uh, Austrian Vienna to see if he can kind of you know, reignite his career. I mean, he's 22 now, so he should be it's playing regular football. Key, key moment in his career, isn't it? Yeah. He's at that age where you know he should be first team. Yeah. Uh, regularly. Especially, um, I mean, the, the Netherlands and, and teams like AZ are known for giving young players a go. Yeah. You know, they're they're, they're not holding him back because they think, oh, he's, you know, he's not ready and stuff. You'd have to say that he's probably not performed in the way they'd hoped. I mean, they signed him on a four and a half year deal in January 2009. So, I mean, a good length deal. Absolutely. They felt that there, yeah. was, there was a lot of potential there and he's a former young soccer skipper. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if it, I, I suppose he, he'd have to be thinking about Brazil. But Alkmaar are doing pretty well at the moment. They're flying, yeah. I think they're still they? top, aren't they? Yeah. So, I mean, when you've got a team like that that's in such a commanding position with, you would imagine, a fairly established uh, starting 11 and bench, probably, Yeah. it's bloody hard for them to... to uh, find a space in the, the squad um, regardless of uh, ability I mean uh, I can see you shuffling your papers Matt Mackay is the perfect example of that that's why I moved that story exactly. up because I knew yeah. it was a perfect segue <laughs> yeah I mean Matt Mackay you talk about a team that was performing well when he first went there and he, he couldn't get in the team Rangers were flying and that's another thing to talk about interesting about the Scottish League that they were Rangers were 15 points clear of Celtic at one point. I think Celtic might have had a couple of games in hand, but still, yeah. in, in that league where those two teams dominate, 15 points is massive. And when Celtic won, was it last week? Yeah. They won 1-0. They went two points ahead of Rangers. Yeah. So you'd have to feel that, I mean, Matt McKay would have a chance of breaking into that team. There was an injury as well to a major yeah. Rangers player, whose name yeah. I forget now. Um, there's just been a, there's been a lot of questions asked about McKay this season. Uh, he's still got the... Uh, this image of being the young bloke who's you know just finding his, his feet as a manager, mm. but he's forty eight. Right, okay. Yeah. You know he's he's not a young bloke anymore at all by any manner of means, um, and he's just doesn't seem to be doing anything useful with Rangers at the moment. To be able to to throw away a lead of fifteen points in a, effectively a two horse race, yeah, uh, is a shocking. Indictment on his abilities. Well, I kind of I felt the league was sort of over. I, I paid a little bit less attention to the yeah. Scottish league because I just I just felt that it was it was sewn up. So that was incredible to see Celtic come back and and it's tough now for Rangers to to reboot, isn't it? Yeah. You know, after you know you've you've had those. Chances. They've got a lot of problems off the field as well with this new uh, owner of theirs, who's a very controversial figure. But either way, you know, um, McCoy doesn't seem to be looking for new answers to, to problems that are showing themselves up. And Mackay can't really do much more. He, he gets man of the matches yeah. awards when he gets the chance to play. He, he scores uh, when he gets the chance to play. He yeah. scored against Kilmarnock just this week yeah. um, in a bounce match. He's doing everything right, mm. and yet he still can't get a shot in the first team on a regular basis. Well, I mean, what's incredible about when he plays for the soccer is Matt McKay, he, he almost seems to Holger that 
he's going to play. And he's so versatile, he doesn't know where he'll play him yet. Mm. He'll know he'll be in that 11, and then yeah. you could play him over to the left, in the centre, left back. Uh, and you'd think that he'd be playing a similar role for Rangers where he could switch around. So it's pretty disappointing that he's, he's not been getting more game time. Um, Interestingly, I've seen Morris Edu's uh, about to leave Rangers as well uh, to head off to Sushu. Sushu? Sushu? Yep. Um, so, you know, that's another space created at least. Um, Adrian Madashi um, is off to South Korea for a medical with Giju United, um, another K League bound player. Um, what, what, I mean, what do we make of that? I mean, I think it's a big opportunity missed by Melbourne Victory. Uh, this was apparently another Kevin Musket decision that uh, Madaska didn't impress him enough to be offered a contract. Right. Uh, but having said that, he then crossed the road, went to Hart, and uh, I think he's uh, put in a really impressive 10-game stint uh, while he's been with them. Uh, but between being let go by on, from his trial with victory and signing for Hart, he'd uh, basically... Mm. Penciled in this move to Korea uh, already, so he wasn't able to stay on for longer. Uh, but I, I think it's a, a real shame we haven't seen enough of Madaski in the A League. Yeah, I mean, there's a few guys over there now, and it's quite interesting, you know, without trying to be too horrible, but I wouldn't say Korea's exactly skimmed the best of the A League. I mean, we've got Robbie Corthwaite out there, Ian Fyth, um, and <laughs> Matt Simon. I mean, they're sort of the players that divided fans, really, weren't they? And Sasha Agnonovsky. Yeah. Uh, who is the exception to that? But they're, they're all very is a good player, similar kind of players that the big, tall, strong uh, Aussies. Uh, yeah. Not necessarily the, the greatest ball players, but, you know, really strong uh, central defenders. Yeah. Um, Alex Wilkinson, we'll, talk, we'll chat about next. Nice guy, Wilco. Who must have a nasty side, mustn't he? I, mean, he's the captain. I don't think so. You don't no. think so? No. I mean, I've met him several times, and you're just blown away by how nice he there is. There is nothing nasty at all about Alec Wilkinson. I defy anyone. Of I a, defy of a anyone to show that me can a be YouTube video of him even swearing. Mm. Um, well, he's not moving on, um, despite rumours that um, he may be going, as we were saying, perhaps over to the K-League. Um, the Mariners have, have denied this. I mean, I don't know how much a denial of a move means these days, but they've certainly said that for the meantime. One of the few players that have, have been in the A-League since the start, and I think, I, in terms of the Mariners, I mean, I, I'm not, I don't care who wins the A-League, as it were, but there's a part of me that wants the Mariners to win for Alex Wilkinson. He's been there for a while and he's, he's had a few heartbreaks in you know, finals and stuff and it would be really nice if he could you know, lead them to a title. Absolutely. You yep. Know. Yep. Um, I thought just an interesting aside on the statement from the club, the Mariners are not involved in any, any discussions with any club about a future transfer. Okay, yeah. Well, Still I don't doesn't necessarily mean that they've not been in discussions with an agent. Right, okay. Hmm. Um, final, final story... Quick glance overseas, Fulham's boss, Martin Yole, saying that Schwarzer, despite the fact he's out of an injury, and, and David Stockdale has come in, had done very, very well in goal for Fulham. I, I watched him against Arsenal, uh, and he was excellent. And I suppose if you know, you're looking for, you've got a 39-year-old goalkeeper in Schwarzer, and a younger guy comes through and starts doing well, then you might be more tempted. But apparently, Yole's saying he's still first choice and, and is likely to come back into the into the fold when he um, gets himself fit again yeah he's been Schwartz seems to have been three or four weeks away for 
quite a few weeks now. Uh, and look, he's 39. Yeah. He's no spring chicken. He really is. It takes uh, longer to get he, back it, from stuff, doesn't it? And he's in the he's in the twilight of his career. Uh, he's had a brilliant season two seasons ago. Yeah. And since then, he's been off the boil. Uh, and if Joel stands by him, that's brilliant. I'm really impressed by him. But I know I would be tempted to to look at keeping Stockdale on more. Oh, okay. Um, that's in the section two. Um, section three, we'll have a look overseas. FA Cup, where there was a a beautiful moment of sporting romantic action as well. Um, and then have a little look at La Liga and this weekend's EPL. So join us then. Before instantly stop snoring. After instantly stop snoring. Before instantly stop snoring. After instantly stop snoring. Snoring is generally caused by incorrect tongue placement. Instantly Stop Snoring provides a simple mouth guard designed to hold the lower jaw stable, forward and clear of the airways. Here's the number you've been searching for. 1-800-991-259. That's 1-800-991-259 for Instantly Stop Snoring. Back to 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to section three. We'll have a glance overseas, um, starting with the FA Cup and starting um, at Arsenal, where <laughs> Roy of the Rovers type stuff, um, Arsenal hosting Leeds, club legend with his, his own statue outside. I'm not sure how many players have played whilst the statue has already been erected, point, yeah. erected outside. Thierry Henry comes on, 12 minutes to well, scores with 12 minutes to go with, as I was saying, just... A stereotypical classic Henri side foot placement finish to win one nil, and one nil is a perfect score as well, isn't it? it is, you know, yeah. just for him to have the only goal of the game, um, you know. And uh, I must admit, I'm by no means an Arsenal fan, but there was something very special about him scoring that goal, wasn't there? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not a, a huge Arsenal fan, but I am. A, I've always been a huge fan of Thierry Henry. Yeah. Uh, he's one of the, the few players I just have a huge amount of respect for. Uh, he Genius player and fairly upstanding bloke as well. Uh, and yeah, it was great. It was it was good because it also topped Man United's uh, bringing back skulls. Yeah. Uh, the night before uh, to uh, bring back their own legend, club legend. Yeah. Uh, and for him to actually play a blinder and score the winner. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. And I mean, it was all doom and gloom for Arsenal at the beginning of the season, wasn't it? Everything yeah, to be going wrong. And, and Percy and Henri together is a hell of a strike force. Yeah. Even now. Um, so Arsenal progress there. And Chelsea do two after smashing Portsmouth 4-0. Very important tournament for this, isn't it, Chelsea? You'd have to feel that the FA Cup... It's pretty much their only chance of uh, glory this year. Completely, yeah. I mean, uh, you know... It, Seems increasingly likely they're going to struggle to make the top four as well. I mean, yep. you still have to feel that, but it's been such an up and down season for them. And this FA Cup run and the fact that they're still in the Champions League um, is keeping, you know, keeping it all together for them, really. Keeping AVB in a job, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. So they march on there, and, you know, AVB's come out and said how important this um, tournament is for them. The, obviously, the. The tie of the round was the the Manchester derby with Man City hosting Man U, and you be in every right to expect Man, Man City to win that at home. But oh, yeah. the, the game pivoted on a company being sent off after twelve minutes, which was 
one of the most bizarre decisions I've ever seen, to be honest. Okay. I mean, it, it, it was a two-footed tackle in, on the replay, without mm. a doubt. But it went straight to the ball. He got the ball. He didn't touch Nani at all in the slightest. Mm. Nani ran off without even looking for uh, a free kick or a foul or anything. Uh, and suddenly he's red-carded. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, the game completely changed from that point onwards. Uh, and it just it just seemed a bizarre decision. Yeah, I mean it, we've got a feature coming up in um, in the magazine. I think probably in a couple of months' time about the death of the tackle. Mm. And I, saw, I was watching the Tottenham Everton game this morning. And Phil Neville did an incredible tackle, a real meaty going through the, but completely cleanly taking the ball at the same time. And he spent the rest of the game being booed by Tottenham fans. <laughs> I mean, they should have been cheering him to get to see a tackle like that. And it seems like you can't do it anymore, can yeah, you? Yeah, well, it was interesting, actually. Company Overnight came out and uh, gave a big, long statement on his Facebook page. Right. Uh, and basically it boiled down to, look, if that's a red card, then fair enough. I hold my hands up to it. It's a red card. But it's not what the EPL used to be about. Mm. And if it is what the EPL is now about, there's going to be a hell of a lot more red cards. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, yeah, I just felt it was a bizarre decision. Not, I can understand why it was given. But I, I just think it was completely wrong. Uh, but it, uh, it spurred Man City into uh, a hell of a comeback in the second half. Well, yeah, I mean, Man, you were three up by half-time, <laughs> um, two from Rooney, one from Welbeck. Um, just they seem in the distance then, you know, one man advantage, three goal advantage. But, yeah, I mean, you, you can't push the City team down and to score two goals. I mean, 65th minute, Aguero got the second for them and set up a, a slightly... A tense finish that I don't think that United or, or Fergie would have expected at any point, really. Um, but Man you do march on there. They're not going to get any easier for them, though. They've got Anfield for Liverpool for the next yeah. round as well. So if, if they do win the FA Cup this year, Man U, they, they, they would have done it the hard <laughs> way. Um, other results, Sunderland um, won away at Peterborough 2-0. Sheffield Wednesday, West Ham, unknown result there. Bar, <laughs> Sheffield Wednesday won one nil with a with a late goal. Um, Swansea progress against Barnsley four two. Um, other Premier League results: Aston Villa went away to Bristol Rovers one three one. And then what? Then wasn't too many shocks really for the for the FA Cup. Everyone Newcastle two, Blackburn one. Um, you'd have to feel that Newcastle were one of the the outsiders and the well, outer of the big teams in the Premier League that might go on to win the FA Cup. Newcastle have proved, you know, they are a good side this year. They had a very easy run into the start of the season, yep. which built up the confidence. Uh, I was expecting them to, to falter badly once they started getting tested by some of the big sides. Yep. They stood up and they've, uh, they've carried their way. Yep. Uh, really, really impressed with them. Yep. Tottenham God progress. knows how. Yeah. Tottenham progress 3-0. Um, over Cheltenham and Liverpool smashed Oldham 5-1 so City who are probably you know holders and the favourites before their exit have gone but all the other big boys the Chelsea's the Arsenal's Man United have, have progressed and you know Stevenage is still in it Stevenage Stevenage is still going yeah so um, it'd be interesting to see how that you know I suppose that Liverpool Man U game you'd have to feel um, two of the favourites going head to head and whoever wins that would be installed as, as strong favourites I'll be putting another bet on a red card from that match too. Yeah, I've, well, it's a good bet these days, the red card. It really is. I've, <laughs> I've got it, uh, the Man U Man City yeah. match. Didn't uh, have to wait long. For no, exactly. I thought it was the easiest 
150 bucks of our own. <laughs> okay, um, we'll go on a quick preview of uh, the Premier League in a minute, but just want to talk about La Liga, um, where Barcelona trips up again, where draws are defeats in La Liga for either Barcelona or, or Real Madrid. I mean, Real Madrid smashed Granada 5-1. Um, Espanyol drew with Barcelona, though. So even though whenever Barcelona play Real Madrid, Barcelona just look so much better than them, you know, absolutely outplay them. Real Madrid are, are once again five points ahead of Barcelona, which is a, a reasonable gap considering how, how consistent they are with their wins. Um, 17, as I say, 17 games played. But it, it's even interesting that Valencia, and the stat we had in a La Liga feature recently, is saying that Valencia were closer to relegation than they were the title last season as they finished third. To give, you an, <laughs> to, to give you an idea of quite how far out Real Madrid and, uh, and Barcelona were. But this season, Val- Valencia find themselves on 34 points. Four points behind Barcelona. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying they're going to catch them. They won't. But they're a little bit tighter this season than, than they have been previously. Mm. Yeah, and Levante's not that far behind either on 30. No. Um, can Barca catch Real Madrid? Oh, look, anything's possible. You know, it's uh, a couple of fell classicos and uh, uh, neck and neck again. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is that the next one's going to be at the new Camp. So I almost feel like that five-point lead's two points yeah. because I'm just so sure that Barcelona will be able to beat them. Um, let's look forward to this week's Premier League action, um, starting with Aston Villa-Everton, which is a tough game to call, really, because Villa, you know, are kind of all over the place slightly, aren't they? Um, win at Chelsea and then they lose at home to Swansea, so you, you don't know what to expect they're, they're down in 13 Villa I'm, I'm not sure what Jacko would say about them. Everton lost this morning to a I still don't understand how Everton do as well as they do though. they're uh, 11th Everton yeah so. I mean mid-table with no money whatsoever no uh, one who scores any goals Landon Donovan being back will make huge. a difference that's great but I mean Tim Cahill as we were just talking about in the break uh, gone over a year without a goal I mean that's incredible for him that's just and he was he, I mean the whole it felt at time to the whole Everton team um Carried on going for those vital Cahill goals. So for them to dry up and still be 11th, yeah, I don't it know. Just, it defies logic. And it's strange with the, with the money at Everton because there's um, a, a guy at Huddersfield, Rhodes, this uh, striker, high scoring striker in, in the country, 31 goals from 23 games or something. And Everton are interested. And West Ham, who are a championship side, um, are still in the hunt because Everton are pulled out because they can't afford him. So we, we, I think West Ham have bid 4.5 million. As soon as Everton knew that's the figure, they pulled away straight away and said, you know, and you know, it doesn't make any sense to me. None, none. Well, why a championship side like West Ham, who may or may not go up, are able to outbid a an Mid-Lanky. established Premier League team yeah, quite so easily? They've been there in the Premier League for God knows how long. Get big crowds, big fan base, big I crowds, mean, always finishing high up the table. You know, relatively high up the table. Uh, so getting, you know, good TV rights money as well yeah. uh, as a result. And, yeah, they just don't have any money whatsoever. Even, yeah, selling players doesn't seem the, to make much. Mikel Arteta, Moyes came out during the week and admitted that the bank forced them to sell Arteta because they needed the money. It's daft. Absolutely daft. Defies any kind of logic. Mm. Um, next game, Blackburn Fulham. Blackburn rock bottom on 14 points, but not actually that far off catching QPR in 17th on 17 points um, after their shock win over yeah. Man U. I mean, that, that, by the way, I, I was thinking when Blackburn won at Man U, I was thinking, is that the biggest regular season Premier League shock result? 
And it turns out it was in terms of bookies. I think they were 21 to 1 to <laughs> win Blackburn, yeah, which is the longest odds that a team's ever won within the Premier League. Which gives you an idea of just quite, you know, quite how big a shock that was. Um, and they host Fulham, um, who traditionally don't travel particularly well. I think they've only got one win on, on the road this season. So that's a big game for Blackburn there. Yeah, um, Blackburn, you know, it's surprising that they've got 14 points, to be honest, because the season seems to have been one big, long disaster. And they've beaten Arsenal and Menu, that's the, <laughs> yeah. the strange thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They've just They've got three wins in the whole season so far. Uh, but they just don't have a squad, they don't have uh, management, they, they don't have any money. Uh, it's just carnage. And the, the fans and the, and the way that they've been with, with Steve Keane, and they've been, at, they've been dreadful at home, which I don't think helps. They've won 10 games at home so far this season. They've won two and lost eight. And Not even drawing. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, their away records, you know, they've only won one away from home, but at least they've drawn five and, and only lost four. And, and that's the reason why the Blackburn fans are so on, on Steve Keane's back, because yeah. they're going every week. And, yeah. you know, they're, they're losing 80% of the time. Um, but I have to say that I, I think that the treatment of Blackburn's fans towards Steve Keane at times has been disgusting. No, I think he's deserved it, to be honest. The, the, he's, I mean, it, it's very harsh to have a go at anybody trying their best to do a job, but mm. Keane's clearly not up to it. No, he's not, but the, <clears throat> there was a moment when they scored, and because Yukubu celebrated with Steve Keane, the crowd stood there and booed after their team had scored a goal. Yeah. I, I, I think that's... I, I th- that's going too far really. I think that is just people get on the backs of fans booing players and everything else fans don't do these things lightly you know I think they do I, I don't th- think they do at all I think you know it's it's something that they're driven to do when it's an entire stadium doing mm. it uh, it's something that's you know the result of a lot of frustration mm. uh, and it's not just Blackburn fans that are guilty of this Sydney fans other fans oh, of all course, across yeah. the world it's it's as a result from being passionate fans who care about the club, who care about uh, the results and the way things are going, and just driven by the, the run of poor results, poor play, no sign of improvement, uh, they just protest in the only way that they can that mm. gets the message across. But I'd venture that I, I think any, any owner or manager or player that gets overly sensitive about players booing them really has to look in the, the, at why they're being booed. Mm, but I'd also say that I don't think they would have lost 80% of their home games if they had better home support. I think they do better on the road because they don't have the home fans on their back and they can play with a little bit more freedom. Oh, look, it's, it's the 20 games into the season, there's 10 games, they've lost eight. Mm. You know, uh, the, the two wins they had didn't come at the beginning of the season, I don't think. The Arsenal one did, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I don't know what the other one was. But yeah, I mean, that's a situation that needs to get sorted. They're, they're, they're not cut loose there at the moment. There, there are other teams in, in trouble down the bottom, but that Fulham game will be important. But one team that has moved away from the bottom since the appointment of Martin O'Neill is Sunderland, who travelled to Chelsea this weekend. Um, Sunderland in the top ten now. <laughs> yeah. After getting rid of um, the ultimate dinner lady, Steve Bruce. And they're in a, a, an incredible position, really. Yep. Um, but they do go away to Chelsea, who find themselves... Back in fourth position, um, how do you see that one going? Well, there is a hell of a log jam there in the, the sort of middle reaches of the the table. Norwich in twenty five and in ninth place, and West 
West Brom. West Brom down in 15 15th from yeah. 22. So, you know, there's a very few points separating a lot of clubs. So it's easy to go up and down quite quickly. But Sunderland, you know, Martin O'Neill, I know Jacko doesn't have an awful lot of time for him uh, after his spell at Villa. But I've always raced him. I think he's a, he's a good manager. He knows how to get the best from his players. Completely. Uh, <clears throat> Would Villa fans take him back now? Yes, I'm sure <laughs> they would. times over. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he, well, he, you know, well, they finish in sixth for each season, um, and sixth behind teams that you know the man use the established top four sides. And, yeah. Um, and I think for for Villa to be top six, that's that's, no, about that's right. pretty much as good as they that, can expect. That is about yeah. right, unless really. they you know suddenly become billionaires. <clears throat> but I know Jacko really doesn't look fondly back on those times at all it's because he's got, he's got that picture with the European Cup hasn't he on, yeah. the, on his desk yeah. and he looks at it every day yeah. if he got rid of that picture <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bit more realistic he, he needs a picture of Aston Villa league table 6 <laughs> yeah that, that's more realistic that's that's the glory is that he should be aspiring to and certainly that they've got any hope of doing with Alec McLeish Liverpool Stoke, um, Liverpool sixth, Stoke eighth, um, and this is the sort of game that Liverpool have been tripping up at in the past. They've, they've not been brilliant at home this season. Um, I mean, they're they're unbeaten at home, but they've drawn six and only won four, and that that's often been the difference for them. Um, and Stoke will always give people a hard time. Manu ho- host Bolton, who you would feel a bit like the Blackburn game that Bolton don't have a chance, but after. Blackburn doing the impossible. Surely that can't happen again. Man, you would be okay against Bolton. You would think so. Yeah, um, they've got a few concerns, I think, going into it. But uh, no, you would think they would sweep past Bolton. Yeah, um, undoubtable title challenges. Tottenham host Wolves in another game that you'd expect them to win there. And I don't think that one will go against the the plan. I think that's going to be an easy win for them. Yeah, well, I mean, in terms of relegation, down in 16th, you've got Wolves. Um, QPR 17th, Bolton 18th, and then it's Wigan, then Blackburn. And, and as you say, it sort of feels like three of those five are likely to go down and, and Wolves aren't really fancy going away to Tottenham. But West Brom hosts Norwich, who are in ninth, continue to, to sort of have that first season boost, aren't they, after That's getting promoted? Right. Yeah. Well, it's, it's been non-stop for them, because you remember they were in League One a couple of years ago. Yeah. Got promoted yeah. Straight, for their, straight for the championship and, and doing well in the Premier League. Um, Sunday games, Newcastle against QPR, where Mark Hughes will take charge for his, his first game. That could be an interesting clash, actually. I mean, it should be better than uh, it's built, especially with Barton returning to... Well, of course, yeah. Uh, Everyone loves a side story like yeah. that. Um, Swansea, another project team of doing well, host Arsenal I'm in a pass-off. I really want to watch this game to see, yeah. see how that pans out, because it could be one of the dullest games. I was saying it could just be tediously passing yeah. around midfield. For midfield, pass, pass. Yeah. It's like the Simpsons. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the final game is Wigan, as I was saying, in trouble in 19th, hosting Man City. Um, and, and Wigan got smashed at home, didn't they, by Sunderland 4-1 the, the previous I think they're going to get smashed again based on uh, Man City's uh, be keen to get the confidence back up again after the Man U. I think so, yeah, th- no doubt. Without company. No doubt whatsoever that, that City will, will go there and win, but it does feel like City have lost a little bit of their gloss over the festive period. Yeah. They should be as scared. I think it's, uh, there's a bit of the rotation thing going on there as well. The, uh, and of course City lost this morning too against Liverpool. Yeah. Uh, they lost against Sunderland as well. They drew against West Brom in the festive period. So I mean, it's 
you know, it, it's not going as I mean, some after they won at Old Trafford, you felt like it was all like five points clear and. Yeah. No, you know, and they were on target for record amount of goals, record amount of points, and I couldn't see them not getting them. But it feels a little bit different now. Okay, well that's all we've got for section three. Join us for the fourth and final section where we'll look at um, round fifteen of the A League. This month's four four two magazine is out now and features an exclusive interview with Barcelona's Cesc Fabregas on why he left Arsenal. Plus, we ask if the NSL was better than the A League. We uncover what happened to the North Queensland Fury players after the club folded. Go behind the scenes at EPL New Boys QPR and chat with David Silva, Paul Scholes, Juan Mata, Marco Rojas, Mustiamini, Mazumo Madoka, and Sasha Ognanov. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to the fourth and final section of the 442 Insider podcast where we will be looking at week 15 of the A-League that's uh, coming up and it's going to start with um, the, big, the big rivalry, Melbourne Victory hosting um, Adelaide, which is a pretty good tie for, for Jim Jilton's first you know, game. It's a good baptism of fire on Friday the 13th as well. Oh, yeah. Um, and it is, you know, they talk about the rivalries that have developed because of actually what's happened on the football pitch, and this is certainly the case here. I mean, do, do you think that Victory currently sit, sitting sixth, um, in, in not a, you know, bad position really, considering the top six make, you know, make the finals, do you think they'll beat Adelaide? I think this is going to be a classic match, actually. I think this could be one of the matches of the season. Um, you know, Kuzmina's still got to prove that he's not just a flash in the pan, new coach effect uh, Adelaide. Magilton. Is that how you pronounce Magilton. it? Magilton. God almighty. Um, <laughs> is uh, a, obviously looking for his new coach effect. Uh, there's a lot of players with stuff to prove. Uh, I think it's going to be a classic match. I'm really looking forward to it. I know. And you've got Cosmina uh, and Muskets. Well, I was about to say that. Who, bench who, by bench. Who created um, one of the best moments of the A-League. Well, one of the best photos, actually, was it? Yes. With Cosmina grabbing Muskets. The only better photo in the A-League is the um, Gary Van Egmond. Strange. Oh, chicken dance. Yes. Strange. <laughs> <laughs> strange camp pose. Um so, yeah, I, I think this one's going to be a draw, actually. I think you're right. I can see it being a, yeah, a score yeah. draw, or possibly a high-score draw. Um, but it always, always feels like, you know, victory at home are likely to draw quite often. Um, on, on to the next game, Central Coast Mariners, the unstoppable Mariners at home to poorly travellers, Newcastle Jets, in a game that... I would be incredibly surprised to hear you predict anything but a Mariners victory. No, nope, not going to go against type for that one. Um, Newcastle Jets, I think, are probably a work in transition, uh, as Gary Van Egmond may one day admit soon. Uh, he's, he's, he's looking to see who he's going to keep and who he's going to uh, excise, uh, and I think he's probably got his eyes on next season much more than this season. This season's pretty much a write-off for them. Yeah, I mean, I think the idea was is a bit like when Ange had that end of the season that Brisbane wasn't it, and yeah. you know, ninth uh, or whatever they finished. Um, I mean, you know, Van Egmond did it before when he took over from uh, Nick T uh, hmm. and went on a huge winning streak. That's not going to happen this year. He doesn't have the nucleus of a good squad here, uh, and 
yeah, I think his his eyes on next season. And some players will get a run out to see what they can do, and others will be uh, possibly making the final appearances. Mm. It's interesting that Casey Verman's on the, the outer with him. I, th- I think Casey Verman is a good player. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, He's get, been getting his badges and stuff. And, yeah, uh, you know. uh, I think possibly he just working against him in terms of the philosophy of what Gary Van Eggman's wanting to do. But I think Vermin's still got a lot to offer the A-League for um, another season at least. In terms of the Mariners, I mean, they're, they're top of the tree at the moment, 33 points. I mean, in- incredible to see them so far here in Brisbane. They're on 25 points now. and They've only lost two games this season, the Mariners, and that was, all, that was early on, wasn't it? I think yeah. they've been pretty much unbeaten since. They've only conceded 10 in those 15 games, um, which is pretty incredible, scoring 25 goals. And yeah, they're, they're going to be very, very hard to stop, aren't they? They are. I mean, uh, the Central Coast Mariners are, are essentially much the same kind of unit they've always been. They've mm. just got a bit more polish about them, yeah. more direction. Yeah, as a result, uh, they're, they're getting the results that uh, they've always been looking for uh, consistently now. Uh, and it, it's good to see. Mm. Um, uh, it's going to be a test for them, though, without Matt Simon, as we were discussing earlier, to see if the other players can step up and fill that gap. I think they can. I don't think there's a shortage of talent there. Mm. Um, next game, Brisbane Raw, home to Sydney, which is an interesting game, really. To, I think Brisbane you know, need to start kicking back in again, and, and you'd feel against the Sydney side that um, have been indifferent, to say the least, but still find themselves in fifth and you know, so far... How do you see the Sun- that Suncorp tie going? Well, it's interesting that, you know, if you look at the other two ties mm. we just talked about, the very much Derby-style rivalry games, uh, and then we, we come to Brisbane Roar and Sydney, you get the feeling that when they were drawing up the schedule, uh, the uh, FFA reckoned the Brisbane Roar were probably going to be, you know, topping the table. Sydney would have been challenging them, and this could have been a, a, one of the make-or-break games of the season. Mm. Uh it's funny how it's turned out, to be honest. Sydney, very, very underperforming. Uh, they're trying to keep their season alive. Yeah. Uh, whereas Brisbane Roar are trying to, to regroup and uh, recover the lost ground that they, they've lost to the Mariners now. So it's an important game, but not probably for the reasons that uh, the FFA thought it was going to be back in September. Well, it's essential for the Roar that, that they stay in that top term and they're level on points with Hart and 25. Um, but they need to stay in the top two so that they've got that shot of hosting, you know, the final, the final yeah. if they can by by being up there with the Mariners. Because you'd feel that if if the Mariners face someone else and have a home tie, then it, it's going to be a very hard place to to go wherever they end up going um, for the grand final. Melbourne Heart hosting Perth Glory, uh, Amy for the next game. Um, as we were saying, Heart going very well, and we'll feel pretty confident about perhaps pushing for that second place. I mean, that, that's the thing. The, the level on points of Brisbane, they do have a game in hand. They've played 15 to Brisbane, 16. Home to Perth, who have find themselves out of the finals at the moment on 7th. Surely the heart there will continue their good form. You would think so, but uh, Perth are a bit resurgent at the moment. You know, they're coming off the back of the win away, which will have boosted their confidence uh, dramatically. Um, and they're starting to find their feet. They're starting to realise where, you know, the players should be on the field. Although I think most fans probably could have told Fergie that back in round one. Yep. Um, if they, if Glory can pull off the kind of performance they've they've been threatening to do recently, yeah, I reckon they'll at least come away with a draw from that. Mm, okay. And the final game of uh, week fifteen, Gold Coast at home to Wellington, um, which is, you know, we're saying about Gold Coast are playing better than they seem, rock bottom of the table, Wellington. 
don't normally go too well away from home, but do find themselves up in fourth. Um, I, th- I think I have a funny feeling that one might be a draw, but how do you see it going? <coughs> it's one of those ones I think actually could go anyway, to be mm. honest. Uh, I, you know, Gold Coast United's got some great young talent in there, like uh, James Brown and Halloran. Uh, who can be match winners? Yeah. Uh, but equally, you know, they've got, they've got weaknesses that uh, can see them give away silly goals. Uh, so, yeah, I've, I can't make any predictions on that one. I genuinely think it can go anywhere at all. Okay then. Well, that's um, week fifteen, and that's the first podcast back for two thousand and twelve. Kevin, thanks for coming in. You're very welcome. Um, and thanks for listening. We will be back next week. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.